Welcome to the NextCloud Podcast. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to your NextCloud Podcast. I'm happy to be hosting this phase of the NextCloud Podcast, and I suppose I should introduce myself. My name is Brent Gelfet. I host several Linux and open source podcasts with Jupyter Broadcasting. Linux Unplugged comes to mind, the world's foremost Linux podcast. I'm also occasional co-host of the self-hosted podcast, which you may enjoy. And also Brunch with Brent, where I host long-form conversations with key personalities in the Linux and open source world. I recently joined the NextCloud team, which has been an amazing journey so far, and my hope is that we all get to benefit from this podcast's possibilities to explore the people and ideas that we all find fascinating in this space. Our first journey together explores a conversation I shared with Max Schrems. Max is a privacy lawyer, activist, and author who became known for campaigns against Facebook for its privacy violations, including violations of European privacy law and the alleged transfer of personal data to the U.S. National Security Agency, also known as the NSA. He's a pioneer in the European data privacy movement, most well-known for his lawsuits on the Safe Harbor Agreement and the EU-US Privacy Shield. Today, he's the founder and honorary chair of NOIB, the European Center for Digital Rights. Max joined us recently at the NextCloud conference in Berlin and gave a keynote exploring the newly adopted transatlantic data privacy framework, its implications, and why we all need to care and pay attention. Max and I found a moment to sit down together to explore some thoughts and ideas that stemmed from his keynote. Well, I'm here with Max Schrems. We are kind of a funny location. We're in a, the top of a bus that's located here at the NextCloud conference. Did you ever think when we invited you here that you'd end up in the, I think this is the top of a bus? I think we're in the head of a double-decker bus. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but um, it bounces a bit if people walk in and out of the bus. <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> now, Max, you just gave an amazing keynote, and we had a lovely panel session together as well. But I wanted to touch on a few points that you made, maybe just to tease out the essential parts of the message you're trying to communicate today. Can you tell us what you feel would be the main takeaway, and then I'll kindly guide us from there. I was asked to talk about um, the EU-US data transfers, which is an ongoing debate for, I think, the last 15 years or something like that. And fundamentally, the problem that we have is that there is US surveillance laws that require big tech companies, the big cloud providers, to give access to the data that's stored there to the NSA and, and, and similar services. And that's fundamentally what we litigate. The problem right now is that the EU accepted U.S. law as equivalent and actually that there isn't any privacy violation. Three times in a row and two times in a row, the Court of Justice, um, which is the highest European court, told them, no, this is not true. Um, and we're now in like the third round where the European Commission issued uh, another version of these data transfer agreements. Once you kind of go into it and go a little bit below like the PR speech that's out there and which we all read in the news and so on, it's kind of quite obvious, I think, that this is not going to work out and this is not going to actually be sustainable in front of the court of justice. But the problem is right now, especially in that area, most lawyers just want to have a solution. Most people just that, that report about it largely just copy whatever the press release is because you want to be fast and you just want to say whatever the commission has said. Um, and I think we, we now are in this situation where it's oftentimes important to tell people what these laws actually say, how this actually works, what the background is, to maybe make people aware that the solution we have right now may not be working in the long run. You know, we're kind of in the infancy of the internet and trading all these, especially quantities of data and um, overseas so easily, you know, it happens, what, in a split second. 
do you think it's just because there's an infancy in the way that, you know, these technologies are progressing so quickly and also really they haven't been around that long? Do you think that's part of the problem or can we just generally do better? I think for specifically the surveillance and, and privacy issue, it's mainly the problem that we have laws that are largely thinking about national boundaries of protection. So usually in the U.S., you only protect a U.S. citizen or U.S. person, as they call it. And once you're not a, a U.S. person, you're free to, to be surveilled. Similarly, in Europe, we have similar laws. Like um, also in Germany or in France, there's not really a court I can go to or complain about it. So um, if we go into an online bubble where all the data is interconnected, you're largely not protected in, in most places of the world. So that is kind of the problem that we have here. Today, we also talked about much larger issues about like privacy and where it goes and, and educating people about uh, about these issues. I think for that, we're in this infancy world that you mentioned. And that's normal and that's okay because, I mean, if we think about, I know the Industrial Revolution took 200 years or something um, and the Digital Revolution just started. So obviously for our lifetime, that is now already like most of our lives usually. Um, but for society, we're probably very much at the beginning and we'll have to like learn how to deal with it, how to regulate it, how to enforce stuff as well how to kind of have smart regulation about stuff. And I think it's important to really, especially as a lawyer, to think about how we can do that well in the sense of like, it's not anti-cars to have rules that you cannot go infinite or that you you know you shouldn't park in the third lane it's actually pro cars if you can actually still get through and people don't park in the wrong spot so i think it's really much more on that we have to discuss on which type of society do we want to have how do we have to regulate it and i usually i mean we mainly work with the gdpr which which obviously is 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 now enforced for five years but i usually say it's like the least stupid law we have so far it's like <laughs> there's definitely room for improvement but uh, there is there is much stupider ways of doing it as well. And I think we're gradually going to get to a place where, where this makes sense and works well, especially if we're also like really thinking how to do stuff well for companies as well, but also for individuals. Right now, it's still oftentimes very much binary, like, I don't know, that's all bad, it's all good, or, you know, you shouldn't regulate it at all, or we need to regulate everything. The truth usually lies in the middle, and, and the truth is then oftentimes a result of a very long discussion or progress or um, all of that in you know high tech generally the unwritten rule is move fast and break things you've mentioned that is that applying a little bit you know because with technology innovation things are moving just so quickly and there are reasons for that you know a lot of people working on hard problems are you seeing that kind of change in the legal system at all? Is that even something that we want? Uh, how do you match those two things? I think uh, there's not the legal system, unfortunately. In the EU alone, we have like all these different jurisdictions and very, very different systems. We work in all of them, and it's it's a pain, to be honest. But I do think there is some like winning strategies. If, um, for example, I can tell you in Austria, we digitalized the courts in the 80s already. And that also means that you need to change law and adapt it to, to today's standards. A typical example is, you know, you usually try to have local government because people could go to their office around the corner. Now, if you have an app that can do that in all of the country, why do you need that local government being in charge of it anymore? You may just, you know, move that responsibility to one place in the whole country, which makes it much easier to digitalize. So there's a lot of stuff that we that we can then adapt. At the same time, for a lot of the rules, I think it's always good to think about 
high-level principles or higher-level rules, which in, in law you call tech-neutral regulation, that you don't specifically regulate each type of technology, but that you think what is the common problem, what is the high-level issue, and then write a law that is one line, ideally, that captures all the issues in, in one go. Very hard to do, a, a really big task, but a very interesting task. And in, in simple terms, I usually joke is like we don't have different types of murder over the years like for 2000 years we just say don't kill other people and it doesn't matter if you you know hit them with a with a stone or if you drive them over with a tesla it's like you you still bottom line killed someone else that's the that's the relevant point and i think we need to really have much more discussions about that and that's going to happen over the next 10 20 years a lot of issues boil down, for example, to dark patterns or, or like shitty user interface that is meant by big companies to kind of go drive people one way. And it would be very simple to say, you know, that different options have to be equal. You can write that in one sentence that could solve a lot of the shitty cookie banners or, you know, shitty things where, you know, suddenly you pay three times as much because the one thing was highlighted like crazy. That is stuff, and that's stuff we regulate in other areas as well. We said, you know, any company, like any supermarket needs to have pricing labels, and there's a rule saying you, there's no discussion about it anymore. And in a similar way, we could probably think about many of these issues on, on a higher level, think about good regulation and, and how we can deal with that well. Privacy obviously being the one that's a bit probably um, earlier, but a lot of other issues like obviously open source, access to, to, you know, having interfaces, having the option to kind of use another service is stuff we could regulate. And we did that in other areas. We basically told them if you are a cell phone company A, you have to have an interconnection service and be able to phone to cell phone company B. Because otherwise no one is ever going, going to go to cell phone company B if you can't phone to anybody there. That's stuff we just put in a law and that's, that's obvious. Or I don't know, we have open electricity lines or open gas networks and you can choose your provider. A lot of that is not new or complicated or novel. Actually, the internet was built largely that way. We now have this kind of closed system on top of it. But we could also kind of regulate that and come up with rules that in the long run will gonna overcome these patterns. And I mean, a lot of these patterns are repetitive in the sense of train companies had the ideas to have different width of the trains uh, or like of the tracks so that the competitor can't run over your tracks. Uh, we regulated that and said, no, they're all the same size throughout Europe other than like some corners to make sure that that competition can happen. And I think a lot of that, if you look 200 years ago on what, I don't know, uh, different industries did and how they tried to kind of exactly build the same little castles where no one else was allowed to compete anymore, is the same shit we see here again. Um, and I think we, we have to be, we don't have to reinvent the wheel and always be there and it's like, oh, this is all new and how could we possibly regulate or deal with that? I think there's a lot of examples in democratic societies how we dealt with that well or not too well and, and we can learn from that. It feels like we have quite a bit of hubris thinking that we're solving unique challenges because really, as you just mentioned, there's a lot of parallels and alternatives that we've, seen in the past so maybe we just need to be a little bit smarter about it like in austria you still have to do a lot of legal history and so on which if you're starting as a student super boring you're like why do i learn what the romans did but then you realize the problem was already there 2000 years ago and they already came up with a solution why you reinvent the wheel i think that is that is something where we can also look into more and think about what is the high level issue and how can we on a high level solve the issue without coming up with Ten thousands of pages of rules that no one is ever going to read anyways and, and no one is going to be able to capture or follow anymore. Now, I'm curious your perspective on running a business versus often, I, at least I think about these topics as an individual. 
Well, as a business, you need to think about these topics as well. The privacy of your own digital assets, intellectual property, things like that. Uh, can you speak a little bit towards what the difference is between how individuals treat these topics versus the companies that you've worked with or maybe even your own at Noib? I think on a very high level, I'm not an expert on, on your question, on a very high level, if we move into an information age, it's going to be interesting in who has the information, who has power over it. So a lot of the rules we have are going to be like privacy, for example, that protects your information from the big guy or from the government. But you also have like something like freedom of information that the other way around gives you information from the big guy down to the lower one. I once called that informational redistribution, a bit like we have economic redistribution in a capitalistic system where we say, okay, there's taxes and then there's social benefits and so on to make sure that, let's say, it's all, this is all evened out a bit and, and it's then fair after all. And you can always discuss how far you want to go and we will have this discussion forever. That could be a way of thinking about it in different variants. It doesn't just have to be private data, maybe other information as well, where we have to think about, okay, if we move into this information age and information is the new gold or the new currency, how do we distribute the rights to that information in a fair and balanced way? And different cultures and different democracies will have different answers to that. But I think that could be an umbrella way of thinking about it. And there can be parts that are, you know, open source that allows you to, I don't know, move your data out into another system, which can be one of these kind of like rights as an individual. It can be your right to privacy that they, it's in their system, but they're not allowed to use the data. So you can add these different rules around it that can make sure that you, you have a digital transition that works well for everybody. Hmm, lovely. We learned today that you actively use Nextcloud to solve some of these issues for yourself. Can you share why that felt important to you or what problems it's solving for you? Yeah, I mean, we're running a privacy organization and then, you know, anything that is somewhere third party is, is, is the devils, which even though you have like the nicest third party that exists, people get very excited about that, which legally you can. You can use third parties. It's absolutely fine as long as they also keep the data well. But we, for ourselves, basically decided to self-host almost anything. And partly we have Nextcloud internally for our kind of file system, our like legal documents and so on. By now, we connected that a lot with a bit of stuff that we developed ourselves, like case management systems and so on, that kind of then push stuff into the Nextcloud and take it back out. That's basically how we use it. It's, it's our big file system. And we talked about trust. And I mean, uh, what's interesting is as a user, you then trust that that system works and it doesn't leak your shit somewhere. And I think that's interesting how, how much we, you know, also as users then need to trust that the developers do do the right thing and don't forget about anything. But for example, one issue, because our data is partly rather sensitive, was that we built another layer around it, which is basically um, that you can't access it from, from remotely anyways. And we were like, okay, our next slide is not going to be in the open internet, at least the one that we use for our internal documents. So there's like, for example, that's where our trust ended a bit, where I said, okay, if there is some, you know, fuck up on, on, on the system, then, then there is at least a second fallback that, that we have. And um, that's in, in reality how we use it. We didn't have a public one as well if you just do share file, uh, file sharing and stuff like that. I think it's important, as you mentioned, to have multiple layers. Maybe Nextcloud is doing everything well and you can trust everyone there, but why stop there and why not add another layer? So that seems important in thinking about these problems generally. People people just make mistakes. And that, that's part of, of how software works. I mean, after all, that's developed by individuals as well. And, and humans and humans make mistakes. And that, that is part of, of how stuff works. Well, as one human to another, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. I learned a ton and we really appreciate having you here at the NextCloud conference. Thanks a lot for the invite. <laughs> A big thank you to Max for joining me for that chat, and I want to bring attention to our YouTube channel for a moment. 
Max gave a keynote at the conference that we'll link in the show notes. I highly encourage you to have a look and enjoy that. Max also joined a panel session that I was honored to host titled Trust Transparency Together. Max joined panelist Katrin Fritsch and our very own Daphne Muller for what I thought was a great exploration on the topic. Now, there are also some playlists, including keynotes from Katrin and Simon Phipps as well, and some panel sessions and lightning talks that I highly encourage you to explore. A huge thank you to the team at Motion Lab Berlin who hosted the conference with us, especially Fritjof and Caro, who were just amazing to our whole team. And a thank you to everyone in the NextCloud community who were able to join us at the conference and looking forward to being together next year as well. If you have any feedback for us, podcast at nextcloud.com to reach us there. And we have several episodes coming in the near future, so please stay tuned and see you soon.